Yeah, welcome to the Nigeria Filmmaker, a podcast for us to talk about Nigerian filmmakers, their films, and how we can build a diverse and functional industry. I'm your host, Selegot. On this episode, my guest is Corridi Aziz. She's a writer and director. Her filmography includes shots such as Tip of the Edge, Mancoin, and Play. We talk about prepping for her first film, stories she wants to tell, and lessons learned from post-production. If you're a new listener, you're welcome and I hope you enjoy. Hi, Corey Welcome to the Niger Filmmaker. Hi, Zelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Corey I am a filmmaker. Um, I have directed short films. I have written a few screenplays. Uh, what else? Before I started doing any of that, I worked as the I worked in the sound department. Um, I've done a bit of camera work. So yeah, I've touched like different areas of the film set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So can you um yeah tell us how it all started? Like your path to film. Let's see. I think the very first, I don't remember exactly when, but I know that as a child, I used to be um, fascinated by movies, um, animation, even just TV programs. And for some reason, I would always imagine what it would be like working behind the scenes, um, being the director. I'm sure I must have seen some behind the scenes footage somewhere. Um, so I always just remember watching movies and then imagining myself, you know, with the camera or something behind the scenes. And I remember when, I think the first time my mom got a camera phone, my brother and I would always play with this, we'd record videos and stuff, pretend that we're acting a drama. And then one day we did this thing where we discovered how to make someone, make it seem like someone had disappeared. Yeah. You know, you, you start recording. And then you pause, the person would leave that place, and then you continue recording. And it, I just found that really fascinating. But then funny enough, it didn't really occur to me that I could um, become a, a filmmaker, like take it as a um, proper profession until much later, probably after I left um, university. Although um, throughout my university days, I worked in radio at um, the campus radio station. Yeah. And while I was there, while I was there, I read this. Um, I think it was a it was a blog series, a fiction blog series by Tommy Additional. Um, um, the title was "Dear Future Husband." I liked it so much that I wanted to adapt it for radio, like radio drama, because I'd been listening to Story Story, and while I was working at Page Story Story on air, and I thought it would be really nice to try this. So I started, I talked to Tommy and then she said, fine, I can run with this and stuff. I told her that, look, we are students, so we don't have any money to pay for your story and anything. She said it was fine. So I started um, converting it or adapting it um, for a radio drama. And then we did that, we recorded. I got actors together from the theater group. We did, we did our thing and it was, it was a really, it was an awesome experience, even though we never aired the series. It was a really 
eye-opening experience because I realized that this was something I wanted to continue to do. But yeah. then I wanted to take it to the screen, you know, not just um, audio and stuff. So after university, I was determined to serve at a TV station and I was able to do that in Abuja. Um, after service, after service, I left the whole media space huh. and worked as a copywriter for about a year and a half before coming back in as um, an assistant technical producer at BBC Media Action. It was at BBC Media Action that I kind of got back into that whole space of, oh, okay, filmmaking and all that because I was working on sets, you know, in the sound department a lot. Uh, it was there that I really began to learn a lot about uh, using cameras and professional sound equipment and all that. So it was a really, really amazing um, um, opportunity. And of course, that's why I met you, Dele. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were talking about um, film and then starting a collective and stuff, and we decided to, we came together, you know, to start Hive and everything with Amaka and Bala. And it was because of that that I was able to direct my first short film ever. So yeah. Yeah, that was that was that's that the story. I guess. Okay, so um, what did you study for your undergrad? Mass communication. And um, was there like any element of, you know, maybe film history or film studies, or you just kind mm. of um discovered that by yourself? I discovered that by myself because I mean mass communication is more of a it's a more it's more of a journalism thing, you know. So when you are talking about history, they are telling you about media history, not much about film. And funny thing, I don't know, the Nigerian education system is really funny. They were telling us about I was more interested in broadcast media anyway than I was in print and other areas. Yeah. When they were teaching us broadcast media, they were telling us about analog systems and stuff and this was like 2013, 2014, 2015, or something like that. And then you still expect us to be recording with tape. In fact, funny story, um, when I was doing my IT, I think in a 300 level, yeah. I did it at, I did it at um, Solid FM in Enugu. And then I got there and I realized, because I mean, at the campus radio station, we were still recording with tapes and stuff. And then I got to Solid FM and I saw that they were using Adobe Audition. Hmm. I mean, everything was digital. And I'm like, what is this nonsense you are still doing as Caritas? You know, so that I learned, that was like my first introduction to editing software, audio editing software. So that's where I learned the basics of Audition. And then when I got back to school, I told them, look, I'm not recording any programs with this tape thing anymore. Um, we're, we're going digital. So my programs, I would I got a mic that I could connect to my laptop. I was recording, editing, using my computer, and then eventually we were able to push for them to you know convert the um, station from analog to digital. You know, so what I'm basically just trying to say is, um, in school, the curriculum was was so backward, like, and you know, film wasn't a major, major, major thing. Yeah, but. I guess my interest in media, broadcast media specifically, kind of feeds into my interest in film. Okay. So um, you talked about adapting um, the story. You wanted to make it for radio. Like, how was that for you? Like, did you have any experience? How did you navigate that? 
So it was a learning curve. It was a learning curve. I mean, I'm, I don't have those files anymore, but I'm sure if I looked at them now, I'd probably cringe because, I mean, prior to that, I didn't have any experience writing, writing drama or anything. I was basically just learning on the go, which sometimes is the best way to learn or a good way to learn anyway. Mm. And then because it wasn't just me, well, I was the one doing the writing, but in terms of um, working with actors and stuff, I mean, I had the actors to work with. I had someone else to support me, even though I was kind of like a one-man production crew, but it was fine. It was a lot of fun. And at the same time, I was learning about um, working with people and what a production is supposed to look like. And of course, I had Google. Yeah. I had Google in case, you know, I, I, I needed any questions answered. So, yeah. Okay. Part of, part of your filmography includes Tip of the Edge, Mancoin. Am I missing any mm. other? Yes, there is Play. I directed Play. We shot it December, I think it was December, early December 2020. Okay. It's a COVID-19 story. Yeah, it's currently on YouTube. It's about a it's about a woman. She's a doctor. She lost her husband to COVID nineteen, and then she's terrified of losing her daughter to COVID nineteen as well. So she locks her up in the house, and then of course, maybe I shouldn't say the whole story. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that one was that one was pretty interesting actually. Yeah. And how long did you shoot for? We shot for two days. We started shooting the evening of the first day, say about 5 p.m. And then we finished the following day at about 5 p.m. So within a frame of about 24 hours. And within that time frame, it felt like two days because I think we only slept for like three hours. Mm. I mean, the remaining time, the remaining 21 hours or so, we were just shooting nonstop. So yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, it was it was a good learning experience as well. For, for these projects, you you were going to direct them um like how did you prepare for this like especially tip of the edge i guess that was your first ever mm-hmm. like directing gig like how did you prepare for it how was that experience so the thing with tip of the edge was um because i was with hive at the time i had a good team and we, we took pre-production very seriously and it was a very good foundation for me because I was thinking a lot about um, things that I probably wouldn't have thought about if I had just decided to, you know, do the thing on my own. So things like, okay, um, putting a mood board together, looking for references, acting references to share with the actor, um, doing script breakdowns and all that stuff. It was really helpful to have other filmmakers to um, do that stuff with, you know, exchange ideas and everything. Um, And of course, there were auditions before the shoot and all that stuff. Let me see, I'm trying to see if there's any pre-production story that really jumps out. I think there was a thing with the mood board. There was, I mean, I had all these crazy ideas because of the whole excitement of, oh, yeah. I'm making, finally making a fresh shot film. Yeah. I had some really crazy ideas that um, that probably looked really good in my mind, but in real life, they were just probably not going to work out. <laughs> but it was, it was a really good um, learning experience for me. And the funny thing is, at that point, 
my technical knowledge, I mean, compared to now, like was wasn't so great. In fact, I remember I remember on set, I remember on set, what was it that I was talking about? I was talking about um you were the one shooting it and I was talking yeah. about um taking the shots from a particular angle and you were like you are going to break the 180 degree rule if I if you do this. Mm. And in my head, I'm thinking 180 degree rule, 180 degree rule. I couldn't remember what the 180 degree rule was. <laughs> yeah, thank God so you didn't I break it. Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking that, man, if I, if I was the one like doing this thing on my own, I would probably have messed this film up. But yeah, so I mean, the lesson for me there was... Um, of course, your first few projects might not be might not be great and everything, but it's always good to have a very good team with you. You know, people that you can work with, that is people that are not necessarily on the same level as you. You know, who can? Did I say hold your hand? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, um, so that was Tip of the Edge. Did you ask about just Tip of the Edge? I the other films as well. Um. Yeah, you can talk about the other films. Okay. Um, so the second one, um, play, I worked very closely with the producer. Uh, she brought the story idea and the script. So I reworked the script. So we're working together on that, on that, um, part, but because she was also the producer and, um, the lead actor, she didn't have as much time, uh, to work on other aspects of pre-production, you know, like doing mood boards and stuff so it was i was like the lead on that i was like a major person on um handling all of that stuff huh. and because um covid we were still fresh out of the whole <laughs> the whole covid fair we wanted to keep them the crew lean and everything and then considering cost and stuff so the first night of the shoot the first night of the shoot i was basically handling the camera the sound yeah, I'm never going to do that again, by the way. Yeah. I was in camera, I was in sound, <laughs> I was directing, it was mad. And then by the following day, I got um, my girlfriend to come and help me out with camera and sound. Huh. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the major lesson for me in that was um, don't try to be a one-man production team because you're going to end up making um, mistakes that you could have avoided making. Yeah. So that was like, that, yeah, that was like the biggest lesson for me. I mean, at the end of the day, it turned out okay, but it could have been better. It could have been much better. Uh, let's see, the third one. The third one was interesting because that was Mancoin. Because I had been talking to this other filmmaker, Leroy, on Instagram. We found each other on Instagram. I was like, oh, we should make a film together. Um, it started as play at first, but then uh, within a week or two, we had turned out a story we wanted to shoot like i think originally we we're going to shoot like a 15 minute short film and stuff but we decided you know what let's just do like a three minute thing um to make something more exciting yeah you know so that's what we did um before that i think we even did we did a storyboard we we pulled together a mood board with references we wanted to have this like city of god type of feel you know, that was so pre production for that one was actually quite interesting because it was a weird idea that we we're working on yeah. something, ris something kind of risky, you know. So, we wanted to just have fun with it, you know, because we knew that okay, this thing could end up falling flat on its face, you know. But even if, even if um, it didn't, that didn't happen anyway. But even if it happens, let's just have fun, you know, you know, with this 
process and stuff. So we did that. Um, the shoot was fun. In fact, the shoot was the first one I ever done that took only, I think, in about four hours. We were done with the shoot, about hmm. four or five hours. It was really fast. Yeah, it's like a micro micro short film, right? Like one minute. Three minutes or two and a half minutes. Okay. There were shots that I couldn't use because eh, the acting wasn't so big. <laughs> but again, it was learning. It was a learning curve for me, um, learning to work with actors, especially people who are not professional professional actors. Uh, so that one, I shot it myself. Funny thing, it was my first time using a. We shot with a black magic. Um, I think a pocket 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 camera sticks. It was my first time using that camera. But I think that also made me realize that a lot of times it's not about it's not about the camera you're using. Huh. Right? All I needed to do at that point in time was okay, um, if you check out a few YouTube videos to be sure that I won't be like a complete stranger to like the um, settings and stuff to the camera and everything. But then once you have the basic things, you understand what you're doing with your ISO and all that stuff, and you know you know what you want to do with the framing and all that. Yeah. You know you are good to go. It's not so. It's not about. It's not always about the gear. Yeah, it's important too. But yeah. Once you have the basics, you should be good. For most of these films, you talked about having storyboard references. How do you feel like you were able to kind of stick, like stay true to these references when you got on set? Were you overwhelmed or were you able to kind of, you know, always go back to them and shoot based on that research? Hmm. So the thing about references, I don't think you're ever really taking references for you to replicate, um, to replicate exactly. They, at least the way I work is that they, they serve as inspiration kind of, and maybe guides. So I know that, okay, this is the inspiration behind this thing. This is why I want it to look like this. Mm. You know, I always like to think about the why as well. I remember with Tip of the Edge, even with the with the costumes, I was thinking about okay, what does this color on this on this um, person mean? Even down to the color of her hair. Um, why do I want the hair to be this color? Why is why 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 does it have to be this way? What does this signify? Um, even okay with Mancoin, the grading, for instance. Um, I wanted the whole City of God feel because of what I felt that film, what I felt that um, quality of grade did for City of God and what it could do for the film mm. in terms of, okay, this gritty um, feel, in, you know, like you're in a third world, world country, wanted it to have very much that feel, even though a lot of sci-fi that you see, um, okay, we have a lot of dystopian sci-fi kind of. But then I was wondering how we could bring that, seeing that we could not do a lot of CGI and all that fancy stuff, how we could bring a bit of that feel into this world that we're trying to create and stuff. So we basically just took the idea and tried to, um, what's the word now, meld it in, into what we're trying to do such that, make it our own, basically, so that we make it our own and not just clap it on. Yeah, you know, because we think it's cool or whatever, you know, and then of course we think about the function of whatever it is that we're trying to 
um, replicate, so to speak? You know, what is it doing for our story? Is it enhancing the story, or is it just something we want to put in there because it's cool? You know, which is not something I want to do. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. You you talked about um, you know, being on set, experiencing some things for the first time with, you know, know. the one it is role. How have you kind of you know, gotten used to the whole post-production process. You know, you you write a particular film, you you shoot a a different film, and then to edit it, it's totally different. How have you been able to reconcile like the power of post and what you can achieve there? So, um, post-production. Out of these three films, I think it was just play that. I was like the major post-production person. But one thing I would say is that um, you have to get it right when you're shooting. Mm. Of course, all the different stages of production, they have their own different challenges and stuff. Right from when you're writing, you have to get it right on the page. But then when you now go on set and you're shooting, I also realized that sometimes um what you what you shoot isn't 100 percent what is on the page or isn't 100 percent as you thought it might be on the page that's why it's also important to do rehearsals because the actors are going to come with their own interpretation you might change your mind about certain things huh. you know so it's it's an exchange basically and then after you shoot when you're now getting post i mean by the time you are getting to post-production you shouldn't be thinking of oh, there was this problem on set, I should fix it in post. Fixing in post is a recipe for disaster. Don't fix it in post. <laughs> but yeah, by the time you get to uh, post-production, it's amazing how decisions like at exactly what second you cut this thing, how how that changes, um, that can change the feel um, or, that, or how it can enhance maybe the tension in a particular scene and even the choices of music that mm. you make, you know, it's amazing how much it can influence um, the final product, you know. So for me, I feel like every stage of production needs to speak, like all this is all the stages of production need to speak, speak to each other. So what I mean by that is I'm not going to leave my music choices until after I have shot everything and, yeah. I'm, and I'm editing, you know, I'm going to be thinking about how um, I want my music to sound right from when I'm writing, you know, if I'm going to be involved in the project right from right from that stage, you know, all the, all the, all that stuff. I'm already thinking about post-production right from the pre-production stage, you know. So that is why I know that, okay, when I'm recording um, the film, there are certain maybe wild tracks or sounds that I want to be recorded because hmm. that was fully in post-production. So, yeah. Okay. What type of movies do you like enjoy watching? Ah, uh, all sorts, man, all sorts. Let me see. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of sci-fi. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. I love films that. Um, I love character studies, like films that look at character really closely. I'm not too big on like action action type things mm. you know that are or films that are um so plot driven that they almost relegate character to the background 
you know, I mean, I love, I watch a lot of old movies. I love, I like Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, even Indian cinema from way back, like black and white Indian films. Nobody, very few people probably think about those. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I have a very good taste in films. So, um, yeah, what what kind of stories are you trying to tell with your writing, with your mm-hmm. directing? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's quite early on in my career for me to say that very definitively. Um, but I find myself when I think about stories, um, the few stories that I have written or I'm currently writing, I find myself gravitating towards stories about women. Okay. Um, yeah, stories about women, the condition of women, very a lot of character studies basically and stories very aspirational stories as well you know that that's what i I gravitate towards right now but i mean that could change in another 10 years i feel like i would need to do uh, quite a lot of a lot more writing um and probably a lot more directing for me to say that okay this uh, this this is what i'm about so yeah right now i'm still very open to exploring and trying different things and different genres yeah okay so apart from like you know telling stories about women do you feel like you represent a specific segment of the population well i think the most obvious thing about me is that i am a muslim woman i'm very obviously muslim (laughs) so a lot of the stories that come to my mind are stories about a muslim woman and i probably will be telling a lot of those kind of stories um in the future you know yeah. because i think muslim women are very, very underrepresented in Hollywood. the few the few films i have seen that have tried to represent Hollywood, um try to represent muslim women they, they often just get so wrong that it annoys me <laughs> you know so that is probably um that is one space you know where i see myself operating in the future very soon okay like i said like i said for now um i'm basically just trying my hands on um different things yeah okay can't wait to see what you make next (laughs) thank you me too yeah yeah what are you currently working on okay personal project i'm looking to um make a short film this year fingers first um and i'm hoping that it should be my would i say biggest one yet uh so the idea for that one is to hit the big festivals so yeah fingers crossed on that one fingers crossed then sometime between this year and next year um i hope to polish off a screenplay okay that's about it for a feature nice oh yeah i nearly forgot um between this year and next year the dates are a bit fuzzy now i'll be working i'll be directing a feature film um on for natives film works they're a production company based based in abuja they're doing this um what's it called they're doing this slate of tv films yeah you know yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll be directing one of their films. So that that that's one thing I'm actually really looking forward to. Yeah, congrats on you know um, making it to yeah, the final selection. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks.
exciting stuff yep yeah so let's say you're stuck on an island and you have to watch one particular tv or tv series or movie which one would that be honestly the first the first movie that came to my mind was parasite that was the first that came to my mind if i sit down and think a little longer i don't know maybe other things to come up but that that was the first movie that came to my mind for tv series uh i'm not i'm not big on tv series as such yeah so let's just stick with parasite yeah yeah nice choice so um yeah nollywood is um is changing every day and Mm-hmm. Um, just like Nigeria, there are things that need to be done right for the future to be bright. So, um, what would you say we should be focusing on as an industry? Man, so two things jump out um, for me. I think one is the economics of the whole thing. I think. I think people people are out to how do I say this? Okay, let's take take a look at what people are paid. Yeah. In the industry, it's not it's not encouraging. <laughs> Let no. me just put it that way. But then, of course, I can also understand, you know, from the pers- from the producer's perspective, there just isn't much money to go around and everything. I understand. And maybe because we don't have um, so many screens in Nigeria compared to maybe Hollywood or Bollywood, um, the the numbers, the the the, um, the salaries and the compensation is not going to be as much, you know, as it could be. But then I hope that changes very soon. It's a long game anyway. It's a long game. But that is one of the issues I have with the industry right now. The economics of it all. It's uh yeah. People get paid peanuts. Yeah. Uh, then the second major thing for me is um, education, um, storytelling ability. Everybody on the crew, from the screenwriter to the producer to the cinematographer, the sound guy, everybody needs to understand um, story. Everybody needs to have a deep understanding of story and, of course, of their own craft specifically. I remember. I can't remember what it was I was talking about i think i was talking about how i wasn't sure i wanted to to be a sound guy or move to camera and stuff and you said something along the lines of in hollywood if we start with this particular thing we most likely are going to be stuck there yeah you know that is that's because they have they have developed to that point yeah so yeah. i mean for us for us at this stage that we're at i think we still have a bit of um, we still have a bit of advantage in the sense that we still have some wiggle room, you know, but then we still need to take things up a notch in terms of professionalism and stuff. I mean, we can, I listen, I watch a lot of movies, some move from, some Nigerian movies sometimes, and I'm wondering, okay, the sound could have been like a hundred times better. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's not about the about getting the most expensive sound equipment. It's about how are you using what you have, right? Yeah. You know, so I think education is like one thing, training, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All all around good stuff. Um. So, how can people keep up with your work? 
do you have social media yeah um i am most active on instagram my handle is at koreday that is k-o-r-a-y-d-a-y even though i haven't i mean i took a break for from i took a break from instagram it was supposed to be just one month but it's been like two months now yeah but that's the thing with social media once i take a break it's always so hard to go back but i'll probably be back soon but yeah that's where i'm most active yeah, thanks, Corey, for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. We have come to the end of this episode. Please remember to leave a rating and a review. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Telegraph Film and the podcast also on Instagram and Twitter at the Niger Film Pod. See you on the next episode. Have a good one.